and behold, the heavens were open. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? have their own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas like what is biblical love? You know, what is what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 401. New modem, but now I think it might be the router. My name is Caleb Haig. Right on. Uh, withholding, putting off the haircut still for one more week. I'm Rob Vanoff. I have a couple of people ask me about the locks. Yeah. And uh, they'll Dude, be I'm tell- soon. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I am telling you. Do a Brian Bosworth, shave the sides, you know, get the, yeah, whoa, whoa, hey, put it back on, put it back on, no, I'm playing, uh, save the, shave the sides and put lightning bolts down, down this, oh, dude, do it for a day, just do it on a Wednesday morning, <laughs> be epic, man. I'll, I'll consider that, that's funny, man, that would be great. That would be hilarious. <laughs> it's oh, a good- man. Party in the back. <laughs> I did that to my son. Did you see that? I saw that. I saw that last <laughs> su- this last summer on Instagram. People ben are looked, laughing in he, the chat room, but, but the truth is that yeah, I shaved the sides, put put lines, three lines on each side. Dude, he looked like he and was going to armbar was he everybody. In his, uh, garb was he? Oh also yeah. In his, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we got it. We got him a new gi. He's uh, 
He's 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 getting ready for Revolution, which is a uh, tournament. So it's gonna be uh, nice. He's gonna he's gonna be out arm barring everybody. All right. Ah, uh, well, it's been over a week since we've been on air, and uh, hey, it's good to see everybody. Thanks everybody in the chat room. We got uh, we got a good showing already, and that's always encouraging. And uh, I think we're just gonna jump right in here to say. Two five three four six five thirty two zero five. It's two five three four six five thirty two zero five. Messiah Matters wants to hear from you. Leave us a comment, a question or two. Call two five three four six five thirty two zero five. You can also shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com at chegatorresource.com. Uh, go to Tor Resource for all sorts of free stuff. There's a lot of stuff that you can find there, uh, totally free. There's also stuff you can pay for if you want to. Uh, tons of stuff to pay for as well. So, uh, but also, don't forget to do the most important thing that is to subscribe to this YouTube channel if you're not already subscribed. Otherwise, just hit the like button. It does help us, and we love you for it. Okay, smash that like button. Smash like it. Button. Smash it. Um, so I've gotten several emails from, uh, producers asking when the next producer credit is going to be up. Hang on. I'm just checking this real quick. And the new producer credit is up. You can go find it right now on Torresource.com. The way you're going to find that, go to Torah resource, hover over, uh, store and go down to other materials and then look for the producer credit. Uh, yeah. I have a footnote question on that topic. Go for it. Is it, is it an option? Is it? on the horizon as a possibility that hmm. a future producer mug might feature mystery Bible theater, 3000 artwork. Ooh. Hmm. That's a good, that's a good one. Now this, because I don't know if it was Michael or if it was you, but I really dig. That was Mike. Yeah. That was, it's right all Mike. Mike. Mike's so doing I'm it. just thinking, Hmm. Is there a way but that transgressed Messiah Matters tradition to have a, a, a special inaugural Mystery Bible Theater 3000 mug. Just I'll just put it in, the, put it on the table. Yeah, I'm sure Mike's listening or will at some point. And uh, and that's Mike a good listen one. to the show. Nah. Nah, no. Yeah, he, 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 I'm sure he will take that into consideration right now. If you are a Dunkin Donuts eater or a Dunkin Donuts drinker. I would encourage you to go look at the new producer credit mug. It is inspiring. It's called Monk and Monets. MM. <laughs> Monk and Monets. Nice. <laughs> um, beginning of wisdom, Andrew Schumacher uh, is in the chat room and says, listening but driving, so won't be able to chat. I would like to encourage everyone to go to my personal YouTube channel, Caleb Hag. You can look up Caleb Hag and find my personal YouTube channel. Andrew and I had a great conversation. It's about an hour. I don't know. What is it? An hour and hour and 10, hour and 20 minutes. Um, really a, a interest. I thought it was an interesting conversation and I've had a significant amount of feedback saying it was the best covenant conversations I've done yet. And uh, Andrew nice. and I got into some really fun. Yeah, we got into some really fun discussion and uh, I look forward to doing it again with Andrew because uh, it really was a, I, I thought it was a, a beneficial uh, conversation for all. So go check that out. You can also find it on pronomian.com. Okay, let's now move into some meaty issues. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So let's just jump right into this one. Stan let's writes in, it. and this is this is what he says. He ha says, I have been in discussions with different people about keeping the festivals as well as Hanukkah. 
So for those of you who are unaware, Hanukkah is found, uh, Yeshua is found celebrating Hanukkah in the, uh, in the apostolic scriptures, but Hanukkah is not actually found. Uh, there's no command to celebrate Hanukkah or anything like that, but not a problem. Let's keep going. Uh, if Yeshua did it, it's good enough for us, right? That's, that's how I see it. Anyway, uh, he says, there is a person well, wait in a minute, our Caleb. He was th- in John 10, we read that he was there yes. at the temple, but maybe he was just there. Like, look, you guys, um, he's, look, he just was if, teaching. If if Shmuel he was, goes, he was just a- if Shmuel goes into the Buddhist temple for the water festival of I don't know Buddhist light or what I don't know what their festivals are, but if he goes in and is just hanging out, and I see him in there, what am I going to think? You don't walk into a but, temple uh, and not participate. Right. Not only that, he's teaching. So Yeshua <laughs> is at the temple teaching. And John makes a point to tell us, oh, by the way, this was a feast of dedication when this was happening, just so we would think, oh, oh, John just, he he yeah, just that dropped whole, that little, that little that ch- uh, chapter is about light too, isn't it? It is about a couple things. It's about shepherds that have uh, been hirelings rather than the true shepherd. I hear you. The shepherds is it's a criticism. I think it's a subversive teaching against the the Jewish leaders. <laughs> Joshua in the chat room says he was there admiring the decorations. Nice. He's like, "Where's the dreidel table?" <laughs> exactly. I okay. got my chocolate, <clears throat> you know, gelt. Yeah, that was that was happening in the first century. Uh, I think it, the Talmud says so. Of course. Okay. I know. So this, let's go on. Let's, let's move on. There is a person in our community that is very defensive of keeping Christmas to the point where he uses passages from Romans, Romans 14, 14 and Romans 14, 22 B. And then, uh, uh, Stan quotes these passages. This is what he quotes. He says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Yeshua that nothing is unholy in itself, but it is unholy for the one who considers it unholy. And then how fortunate is the one who does not condemn himself for what he approves. So end quotes of wow. the scripture and Stan is going to continue. Tra- do we know what tra- did anybody do the homework on that? Like what? That's not, I did. First of all, that's not the good gr- translation of the Greek. It's not the word holy. Okay. Um, I got to pull it up. It's hang on just a second. I'm going to fit while you pull it up. I'm going to finish Stan's email. He says he uses these pr- uh, passages to reject Halloween but ironically, in the same breath, defend Christmas in a way of freedom. Personally, I think he's wrong, however. When looking up commentary on those passages, I'm getting a boatload of differing opinions. Could you please explain the context, how these are supposed to be used and understood and possibly rebuttal tip for when people use these for their own reasons? Thank you. You want to go first? Uh, You know, I... I think it's Bible hub. One of those websites you can pull up the verse and it'll show like 50 English translations. Right. I don't, I don't have the, it's not that important to me to to do that right now. Someone can do it. But the point is that's a, that's a bad use of scripture, right? That's, that's not in good faith. Okay. But why is, I think is the question. Well, first of all, the word whole, it, it, there's multiple level levels of the bad faith. The first is we need to find what translation uses holy. Could you read it? Could you read it one more time? Because I, so it, 
Here's what I have Romans in the ESV. 14, 14, 14, and 22. So 14, 14 in the ESV. Let's read it in the ESV. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. And then let's go down to 22, I believe it was, and take a look. The faith, then wait, hang on. 22B, right, is what he said. Hang on. Uh, okay, 22B, okay. 22B says, blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. So I think what you're having issue with is the uh, 14. He says holy for Romans uh, 14, 14. Yes, yeah, so I can read his. Let me read his uh, again. I he says, I know, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Yeshua that nothing is unholy in itself but it is unholy for the one who considers it unholy. Okay, I'm, I've got it. I'm skimming down through all English translations of that. Defiled. Riveting, defiled. riveting YouTube video here. Unclean, <laughs> Come unclean, on, unclean. man. <laughs> unclean. You can really tell that the homework has been done on this one. <laughs> So, okay, while while Rob is doing his homework on this passage, I'm going to tell you what I think. Uh, first of all, uh, translation aside, we have, just in terms of context, in the beginning of 14, uh, Paul comes into 14 talking about what I believe. Now, there's differing views on this as well, but I think he's talking about those who, uh, those who take certain fast days and those who don't take certain fast days. It seems as though there's a debate between the believers and the unbelieving Jewish synagogue on what days should be fast days. And so it seems as though there are uh, unbelievers who are becoming believers and they're coming into the believing community and they're saying, hey, what are you doing? We should be fasting on these days. Now, I, the reason I think that is because of the beginning. Let's just go back to 14.1. It's a TLV. Oh, he's using the, the TLV. So, so I pulled up all 50 English translations. The only one that says unholy, it says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Yeshua that nothing is unholy in itself, but is uh, it is unholy for the one who considers it unholy. TLV, what? That's the Tree of Life version. That is bad. That is horribly wrong. That that's again. It shows how. You know, I got an email from the other day saying, "Oh well, Doctor So and So says this, 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 and this." And I said, "Look, like I've been teaching by God's grace, Torah resource. I've been teaching Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek for over a decade." I'm immersed in the word of God in the original languages. Uh, so when someone says they have a doctorate and they've earned it, I, I have legitimate respect for that process because that's, that's difficult. But just because someone has a doctorate, if it's legitimate, I don't thereby all of a sudden give them somehow, like all of a sudden they have a bank account full of trust with sure. Me, you sure. know? So it's the same thing with these translations. This is, sloppy irresponsible is this the one that's done by like quote messianic jews yeah oh they should be ashamed of themselves they should be absolutely ashamed of themselves okay well okay okay but why don't you explain why though explain why though it doesn't help just to say that it's bad tell us why because what paul is talking about in romans 14 like you already set the table for that it it has to do with inter-jewish dispute it's not jew gentile dispute sure 
this is like this that what Paul's talking about is more like if you take a flight of you know from New York to Tel Aviv on El Al, you're going to have eight different kosher certifications that you can choose for your meal. Right. Why is that, Caleb? Oh, we see you're 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 flying from New York to Tel Aviv on El Al, and you have they have that many different kitchens set up to accommodate your specific community. Like, let's say you're Hasidic, you know, what, what dynasty is your Rebbe from, you know, and, and what are the stringencies over against, you might just be modern Orthodox or you might be. So you're actually, so, so what you're saying is actually what hits a note with me is that when I went to uh, Israel, when I was in it, now keep in mind, this is 22, 23 years ago. So, I mean, the things have changed, I'm sure. But when I went there and I asked, nothing's changed, no, (laughs) but when I went there, there, I was looking for union Orthodox as the stamp. And I said to, yeah, the O with the U in it. Right. And I said to the guy that I was that I was palling around with at the time, who was a, uh, who was a breast love rabbi. I said, where's the, where's the, you know, I haven't seen any union Orthodox here. He goes, Oh, that's trash. We would never eat anything that was union Orthodox. I said, okay, exactly that. Okay. I said, thank you. But in America, that's, that's the highest. It's like the best, that's the right? Point. That's the point. <laughs> the, what Paul's point is making here is that what he learned from Yeshua is that this is a matter of inter. Jewish, you know, Pharisee versus Pharisee, who's, who's more stringent. It's a, who, who can be called rabbi in the street, who, you know, looks the best publicly. And it's a competition. He says, they, what does he say? They have their reward. They have their reward. And the, the, the word here is not unholy. This is why shame on the TLV translator here. I say that with, every cell of my being because it's it tells those people who are trusting those and especially in the messianic world it's like oh this is a messianic version so it's like extra holy it's like an extra is my object of devotion right is this bible now and then they trust these people and these people have let down the flock well, by, I, okay, by, hang on. We, we steering got... people to think about about holiness, and now all of a sudden we're talking about. Holiness? I mean, every uh, okay. I understand what you're saying, and I and I I do agree with you in certain passages. But I will say that I think that the Tree of Life version does have good translations from time to time. I think every translation has its flaws. I think I I think with the TLV they use different scholars for different books. So right. whoever I, I should find out who did Romans, but. The idea is that's not even Actually, more than clean. It's hang on just a sec. Hang on just a sec. To your to your credit, in Romans, they I think the TLV also uses made righteous instead of justified. Oh, for Romans five, right? Yeah. So here here's the deal. I just I, I'm just going off. I went to Bible Hub or Bible Gateway. One of these. Sure. I pull put in Rome. Put in the Romans fourteen fourteen, and then click all English versions. And I just skimmed down. I spent one minute doing it, but it looks to me that the TLV is the only translation that is worse. It's the only one that's worse than the others. The other, okay, so, t- the bulk, so tell us what it should be then. The bulk of the others are unclean or defiled and unholy is even worse. Koinos is a category that in my view was uh, kind of implemented 
and emerged among the Pharisees as they were trying to separate things that happened in the marketplace with the concept of, of uh, special, uh, the specialness, Jewish specialness around the table. And, and they wanted to have some sort of way of clean, cleansing oneself from that before coming to the meal. So the hand washing, that's why you see koinos is the word used in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. The idea is it's a, it's a term whereby some Jews who imagine themselves extra pious or extra holy would use to kind of manipulate and control other Jews that, that weren't as strict. Oh, oh, that's coin, like Caleb and I are going out to lunch and I come from a more stringent, let's say, Pharisee group and he's a less stringent or he might be even a newbie in, in the group I'm in. And we get our food. Is that a union orthodox stamp you have on yeah, that, Rob? I would, um, go, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that's koinos, Caleb. That's koinos. And now all of a sudden, Caleb has, it is, has a, has a uh, what do you call it? Like you you've now are in doubt because sure. now you're like, well, wait a minute. Up to this point, my whole life, the OU is fine. Right. So and actually, now all of a you sudden you're telling me it's not now I'm now you've you've put you've caused a weaker person to now vacillate. And now there you've instilled uncertainty for the sake of power, for the sake of you having power over them. And what Yeshua, what Paul is saying that Yeshua taught him and that Paul used to be of this mindset and then he no longer is. Koinos is a man-made category. It's not the same it's not mapping out what is fit what is god gave for food and whatnot it it's it's how stringent uh these groups have gotten where yeshua puts it this way you strain the gnat and you swallow the camel you've gotten so like you've you've tithe your cumin and your dill etc but guess what you leave the weightier matters of the torah neglected that's that's the heart of the issue is a stringency that is uh, uses to manipulate and coerce and try to give a performance of, of public righteousness. You love to be called rabbi. You love to have the best, you love to greet one another in the streets. You love to have the best seats in the synagogues. But how are you going to escape the hell? How are you going to escape the fires of Gehenna? Okay, so at the beginning of this conversation, I uh, launched into Romans 14, and as I'm re as I'm reading this, I'm remembering that uh, my my understanding of this being about fast days was actually challenged by an extraordinarily good scholar known as Tim Hegg, uh, who said that it was actually he doesn't believe it's about fast days. He thinks that it is actually about uh, meat that is offered in or meat that comes from uh, pagan temples and is in the marketplace. And actually, as I as I look for, through this again and remember our conversation and our debate, uh, I I believe that my father actually has has won me over to that uh, to that uh, that argument. Uh, and the reason why is because he says one in verse two he says one person believes he may eat any, anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So this is this is where my father's argument really hinged on was was uh, verse two. And as I'm reading this, I'm remembering this entire. It's flooding back into me. My my uh, my. 
uh, tail between my own legs as I walked away from the debate table with my father, as often happens, right? Um, anyway, so I do think that, but th those are the two main views, uh, at least the two main views that I've heard, is that this uh, chapter is talking about, A, either abstaining from uh, certain fast days or abstaining from meat that is uh, sold in the marketplace, no matter what no matter which one it would be talking about, and I'm sure there's other views as well, but no matter which one it would be talking about, Rob's point is well taken. This can't obviously mean, it's it's not meaning that you can just do whatever you want. One, well, right, because the core, I mean, the, these, the way I read Romans 14 is that these examples are just case examples where the general principle remains. And the general principle is verse one, where it says you're supposed to, you're supposed to, give the benefit of the doubt and you receive people and, and you're open to them. You don't lead with armored up, all defensive, ready to fight. You receive trusting that there's a good bond in the Ruach, a good bond in the spirit that's possible. But if someone comes and it, they've made it clear that they just want to push flat earth or they just want to push number of the beast, or they just want to push, name your, you know, sacred name, then that is a different thing. That's, that's, that needs to be handled quickly um, because the flock needs to be protected and the flock needs to be given nourishing food. And so the, what Paul is addressing is the challenge for community guardians, overseers to be on the one hand, receptive to people who are new and not to just not just to assume the worst of everybody to be open and receptive but not unto doubtful disputation means that's the constraint that's the limit if someone comes in and they they are like oh i i the book of jubilees we have to have or we have to have enoch or michael heiser we need to teach michael heiser um then the leaders have an obligation to nip that off they got it they they have to guard and protect against that and then he gives case studies of things that are common to communities that lead to disputation. But the last verse that, that he cited, 1422, the faith which you have, this is the NASB, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. And it sounded like this brother saying, oh, see, I approve of Christ Christmas. Therefore, I'm happy in myself, and I'm not going to judge myself for loving Christmas. I just love Christmas. Okay, that also is abuse of scripture because what it means is to be confident in the word of God as a whole, to be built up in the spirit with correct understanding of, of Yeshua's teachings, which means walking in the commandments. It, it, it doesn't mean that anybody can imagine their own thing. And if they really believe it strong enough that they can approve it, like, like the famous Seinfeld quote we have, it's not a lie. If you believe it, if you believe it, I mean, right. <laughs> Right. What, what's Paul going to say? Someone says, oh, I, I think we should be offering sacrifice to Caesar. Paul would say, do you really believe that? Yes. Is that your conviction before the God of Israel? Yes. Are you happy that you don't condemn yourself for that belief? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, this guy's in, you know, I mean, he You're fits doing the just Roman, fine. <laughs> he, fits, he fits the Roman 1422 criterion. <laughs> okay. Hey, hang on just a sec, because we do have... Um... We do have in the I chat don't room. Oh, sorry. I should like, and I like less than I apologize. I did not mean to hit that. My bad. Okay. Um, so I in know the chat room, that in the, that's yeah. from the Hobbit. Or so I and 
ING Green says, um, like eating halal lamb. And actually, I think that there, so the reason that this struck a chord with me is because several years ago at Passover, we, we were debating, our group was debating um, whether or not we should have halal lamb for Passover. And the reason why is because uh, from what I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but from what I've heard, there is an incantation made by the imam who uh, does the the process of making the, the meat halal. And so the question is, is for a Passover Seder, should we have a lamb that was uh, blessed by, you know, to a different God? And ultimately, the it came down to the fact that there was no other lamb that we were going to be able to get. In other words, here in Washington State, in the spring, there is no lamb. We get it all from one place. It's all from Australia, and it's all halal. And so the what my uh, and the reason I think this is important is because every time we talk about meat offered to idols, somebody asks about halal meat. Anyway, so what my take was was that Paul already uh, settles this for us. Unless I'm taking part in ble- in the pagan sacrifice, then it doesn't matter because the the false god is nothing now it's against torah to participate in the table of of demons or you know to, to right. the false god but it's not against torah to eat meat that someone else has sacrificed to a false god if you're not a part of it and so well, well the, they tell hey, paul says if they tell you then you don't eat it sure if they could say oh by the way that was slaughtered and it's you know unto whatever but the, but Paul's Sorry. point is is that that's if the if it's if it's a person like so my point was when it came to the halal meat at the Passover table was this if there are people that are going to be at our Passover seder who are going to be offended by that then we absolutely should not have it we should go do something else we'll just eat chicken or something like that however exactly okay exactly but the but my point was is that if uh, otherwise if nobody cared who cares who cares what somebody else did to, uh, Allah is nothing Allah is a false god right right and and here's the thing if you you there's a inter is it inter intra inter inter muslim debate for example between shias and sunnis like can a shia muslim eat a halal that was that was slaughtered by a Sunni. So it's just like the, it's just like the Christian and the Jew, Jewish <laughs> inner debates, right? <laughs> so they're all Muslim. They're just like, huh, am I allowed? Like, if I go to Iran, like, can I eat the the you know? It's what is this? This is humans trying to you know border their boundary, the boundaries of their communities, and like set up what is righteous and what is the righteous standard. And we got to be really careful with that because if, if any other standard is set up aside from the gospel, from who Yeshua is, who is the true king, then it's just, these are just houses built on sand. They might stand for a while. They might look really beautiful and appealing and attractive. But when the storm comes, those, those suckers are going down. So Brandon asks an interesting question. Now we're getting into uh, now we're getting into Passover, but that's fine. Uh, Brandon says you don't eat the lamb. Just in at time pa- for Passover, aren't? Don't you guys know? Pass. We're in the spring feast. <laughs> oh yeah, of this course. Next week, 
He says, "Don't uh, you don't what eat the do you lamb? He, you don't eat the lamb as the Passover lamb, though. No, we don't eat the lamb as the Passover lamb because the lamb would have to be sacrificed at the temple. The bread represents the sacrifice. Now, right? No, the bread represents no. the entire meal. It okay. does not represent the lamb. I think that that is probably one of the biggest disagreements that I have with uh, the the modern day, the majority of the modern day Christian church that the uh, that the." Uh, bread somehow represents the lamb. That's not what it represents. It represents the entire meal, in my and opinion. We, uh, well, and we are the bread. We, he says, you know, this is my body. Like it, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, that you are in Messiah, you are unleavened. Right. You are unleavened. And uh, and yeah, it, it would we say they're both elements in the first century of a Pesach. You have the lamb and the matzah are separate elements. You, you're not going to say the matzah, but it, it's true that the blessing of Lechem, we were just in, in uh, our Hebrew reading class, we we're reading through Malachi or Malachi. And at, in chapter one, it says, uh, you know, Malachi is roasting the priest. He says, you've called the God's bread or Lechem Megual. You've offered uh, defiled bread on my altar. And it uses the word Lechem. But then, and so you think, well, Lechem, the first thing you think of is, oh, that must be like something made of grain and baked in the oven. No, because then it goes on to say, you offer the um, the iver, the the blind, the piseach, and the hole, the 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 maimed and the the sick animals. It's talking about flesh. So even though Malachi uses the word lechem, it's talking about the the meal. And so that's what that's where we get the idea of lechem referring to a whole meal, but it's the, the bread is, does not re, Messiah is the, is the Passover, right? Right. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, I that want was to, a, that was a random scramble. I know that that's okay. Um, okay. So, uh, truth, not tradition seven wrote a comment. Now this was on, you know, we've gotten a lot of response to uh, the, you know, when we said this was this was over a year ago, probably two years ago now, when we said, look, if you don't have a good messianic Jewish community, or if you don't have a good Torah observant community in your in your uh, area, you, find a church that has good theology and and go there. And and people have really pushed against that. <clears throat> Hang on. So, truth, not tradition. Seven writes in on one of those videos and says this, I spent a lot of time trying to show the church we were in, uh, we were a part of 10 years in that congregation. Mm, 10 of, years, wow. Of that, the Sabbath still applies. After much love, kindness, long-suffering, and 100-plus scriptures shown on my part, we decided to leave and attend a Sabbath-keeping church. Towards the end, they turned to name-calling and denying scripture, looking at the Hebrew and Greek, and they withdrew from us after we left. Never bothered to tell us either. There are some of us out here who went the extra mile only to have the love of dispensationalism overrule scripture. If I could go back and do it over, I'd have just left the church after the first two-hour study I had with the elders. If that first meeting doesn't go well, just leave. Would have saved me much heartache and sleeplessness. Now, I understand. I I don't want uh, this person to think that I don't understand. 
I've been a part of a community where there was a year-long debate between my father and the elders on Torah keeping and whether or not the Sabbath was still an act. Um, that process went on in total for over four years, and it was a bit of a messy process. So I, I understand. I left the church that that church that I was a part of after being there for sixteen years. So I understand the uh, a lot of what the the heart it can be. However. I think that this uh, this comment shows a wrong attitude towards our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are going to find opposition to what we believe, no matter what you believe. You're going to find opposition to it in any community. You're never going to find a community where everybody agrees with you 100%. And the thing is, is that you don't know what your conversation did. Your conversation, you might not know until the day you die. Uh, your conversation in 10 years, one of the elders of that church down the road could hear somebody else say something, and it could spark all of the the verses that you brought up into their mind. It could uh, bring back to mind some of the things that you said, and it could turn them them towards the truth of the scriptures. So the notion that this was wasted time, or that the heartache wasn't worth it, or something of that notion, to me is is just simply wrong. Uh, we should be happy and willing to suffer for the truth under uh, whether it's our enemies or whether it's our loved ones. And we should be willing to do that because it's the truth of the word of God. And we should also recognize that we don't know what the Lord, how the Lord is using us. And so to say that this is wasted time or that if you have a bad conversation with your elders after the first two hour conversation, you should just leave. Uh, I think really denies the truth that the Lord is using us as a means to accomplish his will. And right now, I believe that his will is a third reformation. We're reforming the church, and that's not done all the... When I say we're reforming the church, I'm not suggesting that we are going in and beating people over the head with the Bible. That's not what we're doing. I think that the Reformation comes in the fact that we love the Lord and that people see us loving the Lord and people see that we are genuinely and deeply trying to uh, do what the Lord wants, not to gain salvation, but because the Lord first loved us and we simply love the Lord. And I think that that is how the, the church is reformed. It's not reformed by going in and, and I mean, now it, the Lord can certainly use these kind of debates, but I don't think that the, that uh, most of the Reformation is happening in the church because you have people walking into elders' meetings and and throwing down with the elders. I don't think that that's how most of the reform hap happens. So uh, I I understand the the message I that was written. I just don't agree with it, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, Caleb, I think that's really uh, a good uh, way to frame the problem. And I think a, another aspect of this too is, you know, it takes two to tango. Like if something ends with name calling, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it's necessarily true in this case, but if, if 10 years relationship that ends in name calling and like that sense of bitterness to where the party who claims to be representing the truth is saying that was a waste of 10 years of my life. I think that person has some soul searching to do before the Lord. Um, I'm not saying there can't be betrayal and hurt from, from, and grief from lost relationships, but name, but name calling it, 
what it sounds to me, and again, all I know is what you've shared here. It sounds to me like there was a, an unnecessary escalation and hostility that is grounded in immaturity. In other words, a person uh, who thinks, and, and I'm speaking from my own experience as being the one who is escalating out of anxiety, out of fear, out of a sense of zealous righteousness. Haven't we done but, that? We've all done that, right? But then later getting corrected by the Lord, you know. And so I would just suggest, my, my encouragement would say, I, I think you did the right thing by waiting 10 years, seeking to, to come to a, a, a shared understanding of the scriptures. But a few things that I would, I would say in reflection, it's not a waste, but, but look back at what does the Lord have wisdom for you? A, were you really competent to present the material you, you were presenting, or were you trying to present material that were above, above your head? Above your pay grade. And I say that because, you know, we could ask Caleb to give us a jujitsu thing, like trying a jujitsu move on someone who's way out, way more experienced than you. And they see it coming and they, and they land you on your back and then you leave calling them names. No, that's about you and your competency. So one, one thing is just go back and say, was I competent? Do I really know what I'm talking about? And then did I demonstrate genuine love because i tell you what yeshua will never tell us that a genuine expression of love was a waste of our time right ever what why would that's just not the way that's not the nature of the love of god is to love and then say that was a waste of time you can love and then hurt but yeshua says you know what that's what the, that's what happened to the prophets you know you know dust off your feet you know and move on but it's not it, it's never considered a waste of time to be seeking to walk because you're walking with the creator. You're walking with the God of Israel. Yeah. So it's not a waste of time. What what you're saying, actually. So I'm reading a book right now. I'm actually reading. Unfortunately, I've, I've slipped back into the old habit of reading like five to 10 books at one time. And that's really not good because you never really finish (laughs) any one of them. Anyway, I'm reading a non faith-based book called embrace the suck and it is, uh, it's by an old Navy or a retired Navy SEAL who was in SEAL team, I think one, two and three or so. Anyway, the, the dude is hardcore. Uh, if you're going to, if you're going to pick up the book, I, I will just warn you, there is a significant Im- amount of profanity within, within the book. But, um, one of the things that he says is, and I think he's right in this is that, um, so many people try to insulate themselves from not, uh, being hurt. And from not being in a place of pain, however, it's usually places of pain and places of hurt that bring us out on the other side. In other words, if we go into something knowing that there will be pain, we're actually accepting the pain so that the outcome on the other side of the pain is going to be greater. That's and, that's. I mean, that's exactly Hebrews. He the, the author of Hebrews cites the proverb saying, "Look, it never feels good in the short run to be disciplined by the Lord." But in the long run, we look back and actually rejoice right. because it right. works. It works to our own sanctification. We we are like children that don't know what we need. Always, most of the time, we don't know what we need. We don't know, and we can have a temper tantrum, or we can complain, and we behave in childish ways. And it takes our heavenly Father to give us that kick on the rear, or whatever right. it is, to straighten us up and help us to learn. So, 
I, I hear that uh, Yeshua never said it would be easy. And, and what is uh, James chapter one says, count it joy. You know, when you have a trial, you count it joy. Why? Because you're going to increase in wisdom. Your, your, your walk with God is going to come out clearer. You're going to shine brighter. So it, I would just, again, I don't know the, this particular situation, but if you're in a situation where you think that you're walking with the God of Israel and you're regretting, you're feeling like you showed love for 10 years and it was a waste of time, I would, I would say, go back and reframe how you want to talk about it because waste of time, I don't think is, is what you really mean. I don't think that's what you're really saying. I think what you're saying is you're hurt and it, it was a suck like Caleb's talking about, you know, you, you were showing love and it wasn't reciprocated, but I, but I think it, it, it could be that, but it could also be that you were in over your head and well, you were and, how, and, and the question, the, the question that I would ask is how has it shaped you? In other words, yeah, yeah. you might, you might've gone through 10 years of, of pain and, and, uh, being, you know, maybe belittled or called names or something like that, but ultimately you come out on the other side and really the question is, is how have you allowed that to, to shape you as, as a person, as a, a person of faith? Yeah. How is it going to inform your next conversations that you have? Are you going to allow that to build you as a person in for good? Or are you going to now let that hold you back because you're afraid of, yeah. of the same thing. And, and what we are called to do is, is allow God to shape us through those, through those experiences and not say, Oh, this person hurt me. So now I'm going to lash out at all the other people, or I'm never going to have one of those conversations again. No, on uh, instead, what we should do is say, I had this conversation. These are the things that happens. How can I have the same conversation, but frame it differently so that I don't get that reaction? In other words, or maybe I will get that reaction every time and I should just expect it. But ultimately, like, is there a better way to approach the, the anyway, I, I think that there's a lot, yeah. I don't want to get off into like self-help no, here. To come back full circle, just to Caleb, your initial point is we can't judge how the, the seeds we sow but we just don't have enough information. We can't see far enough ahead. We don't know God's design. So don't, it could be beyond your lifetime that those seeds somehow in some path right. that you would have never dreamed or anticipated would have uh, fruit. So that's another good point. Okay, let's move on. Armor Vestros. I don't know. I'm saying that wrong. I know I'm saying it wrong. And I apologize for butchering your name, but this was sent in as well. This is actually, so this is actually a, uh, a comment on one of our YouTube channels or one of our YouTube videos, I believe on the, on keeping the Sabbath. Um, one of the things that I've noticed about, this is to total side note and maybe a little bit of a, I don't know, uh, a burn my, in my saddle. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that people think that all we produce are the small clips. They'll be like, well, they didn't reference the scripture one time or, well, they started without like, they just launched into a conversation, didn't explain anything. It's like, okay. So if, if you're watching this, there was probably some lead up anyway. Okay. Um, Are they labeled? Does it say short? No, but maybe, maybe that's where I'm going wrong, man. See, I well, should have just asked Rob from the beginning. No, okay. But, okay. But at the beginning, it says there's a huge yeah, banner over the- don't even cite the Bible. Yeah. At the bottom, there's a huge banner that says uh, clip from full, show, you know, like episode, 401 yeah, okay. or anyway. Okay. Whatever. That's on the, okay. that's an operator trouble. I think that's a user end problem. I, f fair enough. Okay. So this is, this person says, and this was not this person, by the way. 
Anyway, there's a lot that I don't understand about the Sabbath day. For one, how is a Gentile supposed to keep it? Let's stop right there. I think that the apostolic scriptures as a whole, uh, in my view and my approach of the scriptures, is that uh, Israel was given the covenants to maintain the covenants and keep the covenants and to be a light to the nations. What does it mean to be a light to the nations? It means to take the covenants to the nations because in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In other words, Christ is allows not just for Jews to come in. You don't have to become Jewish, but rather it, it's that all the Gentiles will become, can, all the nations can become covenant members as well. And so I, from the very beginning, I approach, especially Paul's letters, when he talks to the Romans, when he talks to uh, the Galatians, Ephesians, all these books, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, you're Gentiles, but guess what? The gospel message, Romans 3, 8, right? The gospel message is in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Therefore, come into the covenant. And with the way that I understand this is that with coming into the covenant, uh, you now take on covenant blessing and the covenant responsibilities. You are a covenant member. And so the idea is, it seems to me like what this person is saying, how is a Gentile supposed to keep it? Well, the Gentile is supposed to keep it in the exact same way that anyone would keep it because there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. So, I mean, obviously there is Jew and Greek and obviously there is male and female, but the point is, is that we are all covenant members, right? We all have gained salvation. And so it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, we're all supposed to keep the Sabbath the same way. Now, granted, there are laws that are different for priests, there are laws that are different for kings, there are laws that are different for women and men, so on and so forth. But ultimately, the Sabbath is kept the same way. So it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, the Sabbath should be kept the same way. That's my belief. So let's read this again. There's a lot that I don't understand about the Sabbath day. For one, how is a Gentile supposed to keep it the same way that a Jew is supposed to keep it? We don't know all the rules of Torah. Well, and this is actually another good, uh, good jumping point here. I believe that... As covenant members, when we become covenant members, what we are supposed to do is we now take it upon ourselves to learn and understand the word of God. And that means studying the covenants. That means studying the entire 66 book canon. And so I don't think that this is a good excuse. We don't know the rules of Torah. It's right in front of you. You got all five books of the Torah right there. You got all the prophets and the writings. You have all the Psalms and you have all of the apostolic scriptures. And, and I don't know if this is what this particular uh, listener is is pointing out, but it seems to me, I, in my experience, this kind of argument comes from somebody who's been listening to rabbis, a particularly rabbis that say, you can't understand the Torah unless you come to the Talmud. You can't understand the written word of God unless you go to the oral sure. law and the oral law you get from the rabbis and the rabbis make a sharp distinction between Jew and Gentile. And so the rabbis are going to say the oral law confines Gentiles to the nosebleed seats or something like that. You know, just come and smile and wave, but you're not really, you're not part of the learning. You're not part of the discussion because it doesn't really apply to you. So if that kind of discourse is strong in the world, but that can influence a Christian who's like, oh, maybe there's something to that. And because they're not grounded back to Romans 14, uh, 22, the faith with you, which you have, have as your own conviction before God, you, it's on our, it's our duty to grow in the word of God. It's our, it's our duty to to learn what God loves, what God values, what is holy, what is righteous, what is pure, what is true. 
and to cling to those things and to be rooted and grounded in love, like Paul writes, that's our, that's our task. We don't have any bar lower than that. And that is like Caleb saying, learning the word of God, learning the written word of God that's been preserved for us, knowing it well, being, you know, being ready, as it says in the scripture, being ready to give an answer to those who ask about the hope that's in us. It's like, we're on the offense. You know what I mean? Like believers in Yeshua, if you're part of Yeshua's flock, you're on the offense. You're not, you don't have to play, You're not on the defense, but the rabbis come through and they want to put you on the defense and then they get you off. Oh, well, maybe, maybe I don't know. And that, that's the doubting. That's, that's being in that. I don't really know. Well, that, if you're into that kind of space, then that means you need to do your homework. You need to be, you need to be responsible for your learning and, and, grow in knowledge of the kingdom of God. Seek, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? Those got to be your top priority. Otherwise, these kinds of teachings from the rabbis or, oh, we need the book of Jubilees or, oh, we need the book of Enoch. They're just going to blow you over. These winds of doctrine are just going to blow you over because because you're doubting, because you're not anchored in the word of God. So I, I want to I follow a squirrel here. Um, because I think it actually does apply. Unashamed of Jesus says, so are you saying the church is Israel? Now, this is obviously a loaded question. Not, I don't think that unashamed of Jesus meant it as a loaded question, but it's a loaded question simply because now we get into whether or not, uh, you know, replacement theology versus other versus all sorts of different, you know, all sorts of different theologies. So I will give you my hot take real quick on what I think, (laughs) my hot take on what I think of, of replacement theology. First of all, I think replacement theology is wrong. I don't think that a, I don't think that God has, so replacement theology would say God, uh, Israel rejected Christ. And therefore God said, I'm done with you. Israel's over here. Now I have a new people, i.e. the church that's replacement theology. I think and this time wrong. it'll go right. <laughs> yeah. And this time it's going to work. I, I, I don't <laughs> think that that's right. I, I think that that is uh, anti-Bible. I think that the Bible doesn't teach that. However, what I do believe is this, I think that God has chosen a people, which is Israel, I think initially Israel, when they come out of Egypt, is a mixed multitude. It is Jew and Gentile. Now, within the scriptures, I think that Israel that's can refer to... That's the first MM, by the way. That's right, MM. There you go. But I, I think that, the, that Israel, as so many other words within the, within the scriptures, can have multiple meanings. One of those meanings is the physical descendants of, of Abraham, or of Jacob, rather, I'm sorry, of Jacob. So that can be one of the uses of Israel. And we see this in the scriptures, that Israel can refer to the physical descendants of Jacob. However, with that said, we also see, and Paul uses this in Romans, right? He he uses Israel as a covenant people that does not refer necessarily to Jew or Gentile. And he, he even says there are those who are descended of, of Abraham who Abraham's not their father. I'm paraphrasing. And he all and he also talks about the fact that Abraham is the father of many nations. And so this what I see is, is that the church, quote unquote, whether Jew or Gentile, I don't really like using the term the church, um, although I do use it because I think it helps sometimes. 
But I, uh, when when the apostolic scriptures use the term the ecclesia, they're encompassing Jew and Gentile as the people of God. And what I see, what my father has has coined the term enlargement theology. And what that is is that that the Gentiles enlarge the covenant people of God, and that they can be referred to as Israel as they enlarge the covenant people of God. We see this in Ezekiel, for instance, when the Gentiles actually gain land rights in the in the world to come. Right. So whatever land, whatever tribe they are a part of, they actually have land rights within that tribe. Why is that? Is it because they've become Jews? No, they aren't Jews, but they have become covenant people of God, and therefore they are adopted and would be considered Israel, even though they're still considered part of the nations. So in Zechariah 14, when all the nations come up to celebrate Sukkot, are they Israel or are they all the nations? Well, it seems as though Zechariah thinks that they're, they're all the nations, yet he sees them as covenant members. And therefore, I, I think it's tricky, and I think the reason that there's been so much confusion on it is because it is a bit tricky. We have to understand that it can mean more than one thing. That's my that's my understanding. Okay, so back to this back to this uh, email. We don't know all the rules of Torah, and if we did, would it even be the same? Seeing we are not the Jews to whom it was commanded. And actually, so now that I've described my my view of Israel and the enlargement theology, or uh, Gentiles become becoming covenant members. I don't, and this is one of the things that I think so many uh, mainstream Christians today have gotten wrong, that the Torah was given to a specific ethnicity. That is wrong. The Torah was given to the covenant people of God, and the covenant people of God was a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt. So ethnicity had nothing to do with it. The covenant was given to the covenant members. Now, granted, the the uh, the people known as Israel or the descendants of Jacob were commanded to preserve the Torah, right? And to, you know, what benefit then is it to be a Jew? Paul answers this question much in every way, right? Because they they are the ones who have now preserved the, the scriptures. And they've done that. If we look at the, at I mean, look at the Bible. Who preserved this up until our time? It's the Jews. The Jews are the ones who have preserved the Bible for us. And so um, they have preserved the, the scriptures and the covenants. And I think that we owe a great deal uh, to the, the Jewish people for that. So I don't think that we replace them. But the idea that the Torah was only given to the Jews and that therefore it's not for me, this is bilateral ecclesiology. It's uh, several huge words clumped together just to mean that God has two standards for two different people groups. He has a standard for the Jewish people and he has a standard for the Gentiles. I totally reject this. That is, it's not biblical. So at the very end, this person says, I just don't, I just don't get it. Okay. What I would say is that uh, from the very, uh, the very bare minimum, look at the scriptures and see what it says. We're not supposed to work on the Shabbat, right? It's supposed to be a day given to the Lord. Our time is given to uh, be with the Lord during that time, right? If we get into the prophets, we see that buying and selling is spoken against pretty harshly. So there you go. Start with those. That's it. And build off that. Rob? And recognize that, like Yeshua says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The idea is, who's he talking about? The Sabbath was made for the man who is the covenant member, who loves the God of Israel, who loves the creator with all his heart and wants to walk in his ways. The Sabbath is a gift to that person and those people to help them build, to help them 
learn about what it means to be the children of God in this world. What does it mean to be in the world, but not of the world? The Sabbath is one of the biggest gifts that, that the Lord has given us in this regard. He knows what we need before we ask. And we need to have, we need to have the Sabbath day. We need it. He didn't give it to us because we didn't need it. So, I'm writing yeah. a I'm writing a book here. Here, I'll actually just read this. Jessica says, "How much of what we see as truth of God's word predicted a predicate?" Oh, I'm sorry. She says, "So when are we to value the interpret interpretive traditions of Christians over or versus the Jews?" And what I was going to say is, the Jews, in my opinion, were given the uh, the the task of preservation of the scriptures. Interpretation was given to the Levites and to the judges. Right. It's my understanding, it's my present understanding, I should say, that uh, if you had a question about the law, you would go to the Levite in your in your city, the Levites within your city. They were the ones who had the law and could read the law and tell you what they thought it meant. The judges also were the ones who enact, and now the judges didn't have to be Levites. The judges were the ones who then took the law and applied it to the, the standards of the city or the people within the city. Uh, different and, case studies that would, you know, complaints and lawsuits. Exactly. When, when we see people like Itzhak Shapira saying, well, you have to listen to me because I'm Jewish or, oh, Caleb doesn't know what he's talking about because he's a Gentile, it totally misses the entire point of the scriptures within. I, and, I can't believe something more idiotic. Yeah, so what I can't, our, I can't I can't believe how idiotic that is. Our, our within our I, our <laughs> listeners know that that I say this often. The Torah is a living breathing thing. And what I mean by that is that within our communities, various uh, leaders within the communities will give us their interpretation on how we are to live out the scriptures. And so it may look different in my community. Now, obviously, so things like cheating on your wife or murdering someone are still are all, all going to be standardized, right? There's Wait, no... Caleb, 1422 of Romans, faith you have uh, as your own conviction, happy is he who does not condemn right. himself and what he approves. <clears throat> what if he approves of adultery or theft? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's when you leave that community because they, anyway, the, the point here is that no, Jew, Jew and Gentile, in my opinion, especially since we don't have priests to uh, hold the law in the city and to tell us what the law says, and since we don't have the judges to uh, enact case law on specific situations, then we are left to have our communities. Uh, interpret the scriptures. And that means, it, and once again, this comes down not to uh, Jew or Gentile. The scriptures have been preserved by the Jews. And once again, we uh, owe them a great debt for that. And we should not, we should not uh, snub our nose at that. What they've not done is, is, an, is an amazing thing. And, they've, and the Lord has used them for that. But and here's so we, the other thing. Just because someone like Shapira today, who happens to be Jewish, he can't we, we don't ascribe to him all the merit of the Masoretes, like right. all the labor that the medieval Masoretes did, right. giving their lives, you know, focusing on preserving the scripture, doesn't all that cred and the gratitude we have to God for that uh, part of Jewish history. He doesn't just automatically have all that same cred for him, for himself. That would be like, I don't know what, like if you're German, if you're a German Jew, you must be like, well, Einstein was a German Jew. And if you're a, if you're a German Jew, man, you must be like, you're like, you're basically like Einstein, right? What Einstein accomplished must somehow just be 
in your blood. So teach me about physics. No, yeah. we, you don't, you don't take the cultural accomplishes accomplishments. And this would just be in the world generally of, of one group of people within a larger ethnicity and then attribute that, that quality to all of a sudden now everybody has that. We know that's not true from the Torah because the 12 spies. Okay. Here's a, here's a good question about who is Israel. So you have 12 spies. They go into the land. This is in the book of, of numbers. And what happens? They come back. They spend 40 days in the land. They come back. Well, guess what? Joshua and Caleb have one report. Hey, God says it's ours. doesn't matter how big they are, how strong they are. It's ours. Let's go get it. It's a great land. This is awesome. We're, we've, we've got, you know, this is just awesome. And what are the other 10? Oh, he brought us out here to die. There's no way we can do it. Okay. Who's Israel in that? Are they all Israel? Well, they're all representative of all the tribes. Caleb, by the way, was probably not uh, ethnically from the line of Jacob, it seems, from the scriptures. That's the way I lean. But yet he represented the tribe of Judah. But aside from that, you have to say who, who is, has, whose heart is after the God of Israel and has faith in his word. That's what God shows again and again, again with the Korah rebellion, right? How many times that you think that the people as a whole, do they all represent the genuine faith? No, a remnant. There's always a small minority, the prophets. In Hebrews 11, it says, of whom the world was not worthy. Right? That doesn't mean all Israel were suffering like prophets. No, it was it was the bulk of Israel that were persecuting the prophets. And Yeshua says, if you're part of my flock, you're in the line of those persecuted prophets. You're not in the line of the majority that reject the truth of God. So when Paul says in Romans that not all Israel is Israel, it's a riddle. It's supposed to cause us to, to pause and think deeply and what do we do? We have to go back to the scriptures and say, what does Paul mean? Oh, what he's getting at is that it's not about bloodline. It's not about ethnicity. Because you could say, oh, we have Tamar, we have Rahab, we have Ruth, right? All these examples that are just little hints that show us. And I like that, uh, Caleb, that you mentioned Tim Hague's con uh, word or concept of enlargement. Okay, I'll stop. Not a problem. Actually, I think it's about time for us to wrap up. I think it's been a really good conversation. We've got some good conversation going on in the chat room as well. And uh, we're going to try to continue the conversation next week. And if you want to be a part of it, you can certainly do that as well. You can do that by uh, giving us a call, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegg at torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G -G at torresource.com. And don't forget to subscribe and like this video. It does help us. It might seem weird, but it does help us. And of course, as always, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.